Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Work. And now, vision. I'm doing this class because I think it's the thing that I find most natural and I found very, very easy when it came to starting my business. So, what is a vision? Always good to start with the dictionary definition, right? It's the easiest place if you're stuck, an easy place to put something within a framework. This is what dictionary.com says. The ability to think or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. So a mental image of what the future will or could be like. I feel like that is a fair and standard um, definition of what vision is. But the next one, which I preferred, was a bit the experience of seeing someone in a dream or a trance as a supernatural apparition. I much prefer this definition of vision, particularly the terms illusion, hallucination, (laughs) and a fanciful one of the future. And the reason I say that is because it should be completely audacious. It should be hallucinationary, if that's a word, and it should be something that seems so far out that you're like, I could, you know, you want people to be like, she could never do that. You've said that, she could never do that. So I much prefer that. The point of a vision is what is the total impact you could have in the marketplace? So not just a vision of, I, I'm going to do this and it's going to be like that. It's like, no, I'm going to go for absolute total domination. My favourite vision statement was the Billion Dollar Shave Club, whose statement was total domination of the men's consumable um, toiletry market. Not just like we're going to start a subscription razor company, total domination. And that's how audacious it should be. Whatever you're thinking, think of it times ten. What is a vision statement? It's a short, meaningful statement of intent. So what you guys all have right now, right, is like a bunch of ideas. You've got loads of ideas. You've probably got something close to a business plan or a pitch deck. But either way, it's a heavy, word-heavy document that we want to distill down into a single statement. Um, The problem is with having, like, when you're starting your business, is you just have so many ideas of what it could be and where you want to take it. And it's really hard to be able to communicate that vision. So, a vision statement is a short, meaningful statement of intent. I am going to, we will enable, we are. Why is vision important? 
Because people want to believe in brands that are authentic, meaningful and purposeful. Like, you guys know what it's like. There are plenty of times when you've seen a brand or even a person. You've sometimes seen a person you're like, mm, I can't figure that person out. I don't know what she's about. I don't know what they're about. What is that brand trying to do? So you're not focused on making a complete decision for being involved and loyal to that brand. You want something that is authentic. You want something that has meaning because no one wants to just dilly-dally through life with no goals. And you want something that has purpose. And I think that this is why WAH has been successful as a brand more so than a business is because people really latched on to what it was about. You want to get people excited about the vision first and then the product. So when you're talking about what it is you're doing, you don't want to start telling them, so I'm building this app and it does this, that and the other, and actually these are the three features, or I've got this um, you know, food product and it's like low GI and all of this. What you want to do is set them the vision. My vision is I want people to be able to eat healthy snacks while they're on the go. My vision is, is I want people to use technology to com connect with each other or communicate in a way. When you sell them the vision, it's really easy to sell them the product. You might change your product, service or business, but you shouldn't change your vision. So, like I said, the vision first and then the products come down. So, for me, personally, think about I'm opening a now salon versus I'm going to connect creative women and give them a safe space, place, space to discuss their ideas. So, when I started WAR, um, I was telling everyone, I'm opening a now salon. I'm opening a now salon. It's going to be really cool. It's going to be the coolest now salon ever. I'm opening a now salon. And actually, this guy, um, who's the head of communications at Nike, said to me recently, I remember when you came into Nike and was like, I'm opening a nail salon. And I thought it was just going to be a nail salon on Brixton High Street that all your like, mates were going to go to. And he was like, I would had no idea about your vision for it, where I was always clear on the vision, but I wasn't very clear at communicating that vision. So think about this. like, What, what are you doing as an actual thing, like I'm opening an outside on versus I'm going to connect creative women and give them a safe space to discuss their ideas. Like, how much more impactful does that sound? Which one do you want to be part of? Like, this one or this one? You all want to be part of this one, right? The second one down. So, your vision comes first. Always think about that, communicate that, and then turn it into your product. Because... Your vision could be product, it could be product version two, or your vision could be then turn into a service. But as long as your vision remains the same, there are so many ways of executing that vision. So to go back to my example of a safe space to allow creative women to communicate their ideas, this was the first Wazine. So I made this in 2005. While I was still at university, and the reason I did it was because I felt like women in street culture and hip-hop didn't have a place to connect because it was the time of 50 Cent. There were so many, like, video booty girls on TV. And I actually felt personally um, confused about who I was and who I ought to be. I was like, do I need to go into a club being sexy? Do I need to, like, wear boy clothes? I, from a, being 21 and, like, having all of these dilemmas in my head... I poured it out into this, and I spent two months in my bedroom, literally, like, working on this by myself. And that's how I taught myself to use InDesign, Photoshop, Illustrator. I gave myself this project. This was, like, the second issue, which was me and all my friends putting our nails and rings out. And this was a free gift that I gave with issue two. So I gave... Um, I bought off eBay 
a money print bandana, some stick-on nails, and I was like, tools of the trade, this is how you be a war girl. So the thing is, is this is a safe space for women to communicate, right? Like, and connect together. I started to collect these girls from all over the world who are like, we're war girls. And then the second iteration of that vision became a nail salon because I was like, I've collected all these girls online. How can I bring them together physically? So I opened this nail salon. Can you believe that this is the first one? It's so dead. <laughs> it looks so messy. I'm like, ah. But it's just an execution of a vision. Do you understand what I mean? If I, if I said, I'm going to create a safe space for women to connect, create, creative women to connect, it could be anything. It could be an app. It could be a monthly party. It could be a fanzine. It could be an L salon. So that's what's important. Then I try to keep that vision through even when I made the product. I found it really difficult with product to bring that vision through because obviously... It's just a product. It's just a nail polish, right? How can I make sure that anyone who picks up this nail polish gets a feeling of my vision that this is about connecting women? So I made boots put on the back of every single product this phrase, downtown girls worldwide. Every single product I ever make has this phrase on it because even if you don't know what war is, you kind of get a feeling that there's something different going on. And then the final iteration is what I'm doing now. This is just me showing off because I'm about to open now, so on. Is the latest iteration of that vision is uh, a new salon in Soho. Again, a place where women can come. I could have... This salon is over two floors. And I could have packed those floors out with nail desks to make loads of money. But this floor, the ground floor, is featuring other independent beauty brands... So, again, it's women who have come to me and said, I've got this product, or I've made this product, or I'm inspired by what, and we're actually going to sell their product in Soho. So, again, it's just another safe space for women to come and feel connected creatively into each other. The vision should be clear, impactful, and meaningful. It should be big, hairy, and audacious, which is a phrase that two guys coined in a book to say that your goal, like I said, should be ten times bigger than what you're thinking. Okay, who is this vision for? Employees. Yay! <laughs> so, it's really funny, because you're all thinking of your visions in your head, right? Like, while I'm talking, like, what's my vision? What's my vision? What's my vision? Because I really want to sell my products. I really want to get my customers on board. But actually, the first people who need to believe in your vision is your staff. If you're starting a company, hiring staff is, like, your number one focus. It's something I left till really late, and I full-on regret it that I didn't take my time to invest in really amazing high-level staff. Employees believe in visions. We live in London, or if you from a, uh, like outside of London, it's still a very competitive market. Also, if any of you've worked in done trend research for millennial generations, millennials will work wherever they want. They'll do what they want. They'll shop where they want. They're like, I don't care if like I've got to pay the bills. I hate this job. I'm not doing it. You have to get people inspired to want to join your company. So your vision statement first starts with your employees. Then, obviously, your customers. So we've talked about this. The fact that your customers should believe in your vision. No matter what you put out, they will buy it because of the vision, not because you've just released a new product. You should be, whatever you do, I want to be part of it. It doesn't matter what the um, execution is. I want to be part of this brand. And finally, investors. (laughs) Well, not finally. I love this picture. Um, Funding is probably going to be part of the process of your business journey for a lot of you in this room. And 
You hear a lot when you read about fundraising that investors invest in teams and they invest in ideas. They definitely invest in vision. They invest in passion and vision for the thing that you're trying to, ach- to change and the thing you're trying to achieve. But importantly, it is for yourself. Once you do your vision today, you'll have it stuck on a piece of paper and we'll turn it into an Instagram post for you so that every single day you should stick it in your office, you should stick it in your bedroom, you should stick it in your bathroom where you're brushing your teeth because every single day you'll be motivated by what you want to achieve. How do I break down my entire business plan to a single sentence? It's really hard, right? But it's possible. So I kind of did this little thing... um, Because I found that when I was doing it, this is how it got broken down to. It was you. So you can be physically, like you individually, it can be you, your business, or we, or whoever it is that is going to be offering what it is. Plus the verb, what what are you going to do? Like, are you going to enable? Are you going to facilitate? Are you going to connect? Are you going to drive? Think of all these words that are really active like active words that show that you're going to do something. Who are you doing it for? So who is the customer, what is it they want, and how are you going to like address them? But what is the market? So what is the overall place that you are going to change your vision? And how are you going to change it? So what is the outcome that you're going to do? And that, to me, is how you get to your vision. Work. Work. Okay, so sorry. So yeah, sex is marriage where I started. I turned to the internet to um, buy sex toys. And probably much like you all, like Sharma, I have like quite high standards of my shopping and how I dress and how I have my home. I just found there was nothing out there for me to buy. Nothing at all. So um, having an experience in retail, I decided to do it for myself. So my vision was kind of the net-a-porte of of sex toys. So we literally stripped it right back, went through a design process of what I wanted, the toys I wanted, how I wanted them to look. So we wanted to create something that was changing the industry but without breaking moulds. So we decided to design a line of products, a small line of products, that would tick all the boxes for anybody that wanted to use them. Couples, men, women. Our focus was women and couples, not so much the men. Um, So what we did... We also then decided to create a brand that would educate and enrich others on how to use our toys. So we weren't just a sex toy company that would just be like, buy our toys, see you later. We wanted to create like a blog, Instagram, you know, all that kind of stuff. So you could come to us and be like, my boyfriend doesn't make me orgasm, how can I change it? Or your boyfriend could come to us and be like, I want to buy something for my wife on Valentine's Day, she's just had a baby, and I wanted there to be another, a real-life person who's got knowledge at the other end of our company. And surprisingly enough, that has really transferred. And 63% of our customers are men, which I never expected when I was starting this. So that's something I wanted to touch on as well, is you've got to be constantly evolving as a business, which is what we try, we try to do. So that's how I kind of like started Perlesque. Then I wanted to like harness my passion for wanting to create something different, which I really threw into my branding. So I don't know where you guys go and have a look at my branding after this. It's strong throughout, right from our boxes to the colour of our toys to our insignia to our Instagram. Everything is in brand colours, brand font, everything. It's always on point. That's something that I was really, really, really like had to do. Same as Sharma with Wa. Like our pearlesque brand is strong throughout. Um, and I think it's a true reflection of me and what I wanted to create. 
Um, so yeah, I harnessed everything I knew about branding. I also read this amazing book, which you'll hear about shortly. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what I wanted to do. The other thing for me with Perlesque was I wanted to create like a Perlesque identity. So if you were a Perlesque girl, you kind of re- associated yourself with it very strongly. And I wanted you to be able to talk to people about it. So you could Instagram our post, our, your sex toys, like, and it, not be ashamed of it. Do you know what I mean? So like, you could be like... I've got a sex toy. I don't care. I'm proud of the fact that I'm sexual and liberated and free in that, that respect. When we were doing our research for Perless, we found that all, bar one, which you probably all know, Ann Summers, um, all of the sex toy companies were founded by men. Love Honey was founded by an investment banker. What does he know about the clitoris? Come on, tell me seriously. <laughs> so I was just like, like, come on, someone needs to do this better. Obviously, Ann Summers has done it really, really well. And her brand is amazing, her business model is amazing, she works incredibly hard and is an inspiration to me. But it's a very different demographic for me. You know, I wanted to create something with, you know, the girl that goes to Harvey Nicks to have lunch, but also the girl who, you know, doesn't have £160 to spend on a sex toy. Our price point is very reasonable, and it's similar to Ann Summers. Um, So that's one thing that I wanted to create as well, was something that was, you know, aspirational, but you could actually afford it, so you could feel like you could buy something that was really special, um, and, you know, you haven't parted with a load of money. If you've never used a sex toy before, you're not going to go and spend £150 on it, because you don't know whether you're going to like it, whether it's going to work for you, and to be honest, it doesn't work for everybody. And the orgasm is very personal, so you might try something, and be like, that one doesn't work for me, but I want to try that one, which is kind of the idea of we've got nine products, we kept our collection very small. Um, we've got nine products, and um, they all do different things. We've got a couple that are made differently out of different materials, but they're similar in shape because some people like silicon, some people like ABS plastic, and again, it's so personal. So you can't please everybody in my industry, but you can certainly try. Work. Work. So I actually come from South Africa. I didn't know a soul in London at all. Arrived. I had a bald head. It was February. I was going through my Sinead O'Connor phase. Um, and so for me, I was like, oh, my God, here I am. This is London. This is where the face comes from. This is where punk comes from. This is where Vivian Westwood comes from. It was so exciting. Landed um, in Old Court. Um, I had 200 pounds. And I remember, remember it so clearly. I stayed in a hostel with 60 quid of my 200 pounds. Um, so lived off McDonald's, 99p burgers, um, which was awesome. And literally, my first weekend, I was like, oh my God, this 200 pounds is not going to get me anywhere. And someone needs to shave my head because it was growing out in a bad way. So um, went down to the King's Road. And um, because, of course, that's where Vivian Westwood's background comes from. And I was walking past this hairdressing salon, and the phone was ringing. And I walked forward, phone was ringing. Walked back, phone was ringing. Forward, phone. So I walked in, and I was like, in my head, I was like, I can get my hair shaved for free. 200 quid, didn't have enough. And I walked in, and I I said to the guy standing in the front, and I was like, you must be losing business because your phone has been ringing. And I walked backwards and forwards for five minutes. And it was Tony of Tony and Guy Hairdressing. Gave me a job on the spot. At the time, it was the coolest hairdressing empire. I had no idea it was a global empire. I had no idea about anything. Literally, fresh off the boat, literally. Um, And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I'd never been in an interview. And he gave me a job on the spot as his receptionist. Um, And, of course, I could get my head shaved, which was the most important thing at the time. That put me on a path that would change my life forever because I literally come from apartheid South Africa where there was no prospects and there was nothing to do. So the point is, keep walking ladies, you'll get there. 
Um, after five years, I was head of PR for Tony and Guy Hairdressing and quickly realised that unless I'm married into that company, it's a family-run company, that was my ceiling. Um, and at the same time, there was this awesome thing happening called the internet. Now, you guys have grown up with it, but there was one computer in the whole company that had email. Of course, I demanded it for me. Um, and actually, the Sunday Times magazine was so funny. It had one computer with email. So I was completely convinced that this internet thing was going to be the next big thing. Um, and so after five years, I went up to, to-, to Anthony and I was like, I have to leave because... Um, I'm going to start the first online marketing company for the fashion industry. But of course, no one had the internet and there was no, no um, audience out there. So it was really an incredible time and opportunity where you go, okay, what could this be for me? This could be the thing that I love. Um, and how can I go forward where there's nothing actually? And that's what I wanted to talk about today is how do you bring that vision into reality when you've got no investment, you've got, you've got nothing to go back on, and literally you just have a passion for trying to do something different and, you know, in a completely new industry. So, you've got to turn your vision into a reason for being. That's, that's really, for me, what's important. And I'd, I'll put it into a few sort of practical, tangible steps that I took, and I still use to today. So, importantly, you've got to know your target audience. Who are you trying to attract? Seriously, and you've got to really understand what they're about and what their need is because there's so much stuff out there. There's so much stuff. There's so much everyone can do. What is the thing that's going to be important to you and and who are you trying to sell to? So once you've got your vision, as Sharma's laid out for you in a really lovely uh, plus equals, which I think is awesome, by the way, how do you actually then move it to the next level? Because my accountant said to me, or not my accountant, the person who set up my um, limited company said, you are not in business until someone is paying for your goods or service. Until then, it's only a hobby and it's only an idea. So that's when you really turn that. When someone bothers to pay you, that's when you know you're in business. Before that, it's just a dream and it's just a, a, a vision. So how do you turn that then into the next phase? Who you're trying to attract. Keep that in mind. That has to be always your focus um, because that really leads on to how you get to the next steps. So why do you think they need or want your services and goods? As I said, there's so much stuff out there. There's so much stuff. And it's not necessarily about newness. It's sometimes about reimagining, retweaking what's out there already to make it better. The Dollar Shave Club is a brilliant example. Go and check out their case study. You know, they have now been bought for a billion dollars. Yeah, and those are two guys who launched their product online on a YouTube channel, and it was awesome. Uh, the Dollar Shave Club, check it out, it's a great case study. So why do you think they want or need your services and goods? This is your target audience. Really understand that. And then what are you trying to sell them to answer that want or need? So Dollar Shave Club, for instance, I mean, you know, people, you know men have been shaving themselves for years. Gillette dominated that for a long, long time. And then... These two guys were like, actually, we just want it to be convenient. So they, you, you, can, you can have your, your, a disposable sh- um, razor sent to you, um, to your house, and that's really what it is. It's as simple as that. And that has literally disrupted that industry, just saying. So what are you trying to sell your target audience to answer that want or need that is different? And make sure that there's a purpose behind it or else it's just going to be fluff and just more stuff out there which none of us need. 
When are they opening to receiving information from you? So that's really important. When you're thinking about writing your communication plan, how are you going to speak to them? You know, are they night owls, for instance? Um, or are they, you know, are you focusing on people who work every day? What's the best time to talk to them? That's when you should try and connect with them. So when I was at Adidas, um, after I closed my company of 10 years, I was actually headhunted um, to be global director for PR, social, and content for Adidas Originals, which was awesome because I could bring all that experience of 10 years, multiple clients, and actually bring it to one place. And really, we had to create content and information that went out at different times of the day, depending on where people were. So Hong Kong is definitely your morning area, Asia. America goes online from 3 p.m. You have to be able to make sure that you're hitting people. There's no, pe- no point sending people, especially if you're a global CEO, information in the middle of the night. It's not going to get to them. So really, really be aware of your target audience, what they do, where they are, and how you can reach them at the right time. And then finally, how will you provide that product or service? So think about new ways of distribution. Look at Deliveroo. Look at HelloFresh. Look at these things. You know, what is technology today that I know that this entire area um, and, and Future Girl is about? How do you deliver these services in a way that's convenient for people and that works for their lifestyle? So really, just want to take those five questions, guys, and really think about those pieces to give you a really practical way to get your product or goods into, in, into the marketplace. Um, and hopefully that's been helpful for you as well. Feel free to contact me if you have any questions about anything. Here to help. And actually, what's come out of my years and years of working um, as a CEO and now being in, in really fantastic companies, I'm absolutely able to help people like Sharma and other people to really get their visions come forward and yours as well. So thank you for that. Cheers. Work. Um, I'm just going to give you a bit of background really first on, on what my experience was and because that's so important to how it shaped my vision for my business. Um, I've worked in events for the last nine years. I've been really lucky. I've worked on London 2012 opening closing ceremonies, um, which really uh, was a huge part of shaping um, what we do at the Bulb. Um, I worked on in Abu Dhabi on MTV, lots of different projects. Um, and the last one was working at ITV. So I was heading up the internet events team, doing brilliant events in Vegas and Cannes and everywhere, loved it, but did not feel fulfilled, was like, "Mm, I'm just churning out party after party, and they're not actually having an impact, they're not meaningful, no one's learning anything, they're just coming and drinking loads of champagne and leaving, you know, pissed and happy, but not with anything that they're feeling like they've learned anything, and so I sat with my business partner, my soon-to-be business partner, over a bottle of wine, where all the best ideas come, obviously if you're legal to drink wine, and um, we were like, we want to do something more. What is it that the events industry is missing? What is it that we feel passionate about? What is it that we think our expertise could bring to the table? You know, the London events industry is saturated with amazing agencies, and how could we cut above the noise? So um, one of the big things that I'm really passionate about is the environment. Um, you know, feel really strongly about climate change. I think the current um, situation we're in at the moment is is horrendous. And 
really the events industry is probably one of the most wasteful industries. It's, you know, completely churning out events, doing, um, you know, staging, lighting, blah, blah, blah. It's just completely unsustainable. So we decided um, to create a sustainable events agency. Um, And just going back a point, when I worked on the London 2012 opening closing ceremonies, I was part of the sustainability committee. So it was already something that piqued my interest. So I think the first thing with your vision is doing something that you feel really passionate about. You know, people can absolutely cut through that and see if you're not genuine, you're not authentic, you're not completely, like Sharma said, you know, you you don't get it out there, you're not clear on what you're doing, and you've got to really believe in yourself and your passion. Um, So, took that passion, um, thought about what we're going to do, we're going to create a sustainable events agency, took a massive scary leap, left ITV and a regular income, and set up the bulb. So, first of all, sustainability, what we mean by sustainability at the Bulb. For me, it's economic. Post-Brexit, we're not in a great climate right now. People are really tightening their purse strings. Um, It's about streamlining costs and getting the most for your money and the value. Uh, Environmental, it's all about food waste, waste management, recycling, reducing, reusing, um, and making sure you've got as minimal impact on the environment as possible. And then a really big one for me was social. It was about, you know, how do you tap into your audience? How do you use events as platforms for inspiring and motivating people? And this is a brilliant example. You know, you guys are here. You're learning. You're learning from this event. You're going to go away and hopefully create amazing businesses um, all from using this platform. And that's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to churn out parties. I wanted to use events as platforms for creating positive change. And then likewise with social. It's about creating a community. So it's about not only your local community, but your supply network and that community as well. So we created the Bulb. This is our branding. So, um, you know, we're really clear with our designer that we wanted it to reflect our sustainability values, but that it needed to be cool. It needed to be edgy. Did not want to be, you know, like swampy, sort of environmental tree-huggy sort of too much. We wanted to look still like Google and Facebook would want to work with us. Um, This is our second attempt, and that's a big thing that you guys should not be scared of. We went down a really long route with with another designer, another creative, and then just sat one day and looked at it and said, it's not us. We lost a lot of money and a lot of time, but our gut instinct told us that just wasn't what we looked like. And so we started again, and you know, it was a bit stressful and that designer from the old one still doesn't talk to me. But, um, you know, sometimes you have to do that. So don't worry about it. You've got to fail sometimes to know that you've made the right choice and you need to follow your gut. You really do. So this is our vision. We're the Bulb, a sustainable and creative agency that specialises in the authentic and the ambitious. So authentic because we're sustainable. We're true to what we say. We're not greenwashing, which is an industry term for when people talk the talk but don't walk the walk, you know. Yes, we're really sustainable, but we're just going to churn out loads of plastic bottles in a, an event or something like that. So it's, it's about actually being authentic and genuine, and that goes back to net, your customer base cutting through the marketing crap, they'll know if you don't actually believe what you're saying. Um, And the ambitious, you know, for me, it's about using events and doing something different, using digital, using virtual reality, using content, using messaging and bringing people together. And this is our, this is our homepage. So actually at the top, we've got an animation, but do feel free to go and have a look. Um, And then straight away, you scroll down from the animation and it tells you straight away, 
we're here to bring ideas to life, to conjure our clients' thoughts into reality, but in a responsible, sustainable way, a new, better way, the bulb way. Um, and we're called the bulb, but we almost, um, we've, our website and things are Be The Bulb and it's almost a call to action you know be more sustainable be more responsible think about what you're doing um, you know it's so important especially in our current climate and this is our aim you know we're taking our vision and we we really sort of pulled it apart and said what is it that we're actually aiming to do so we've got our vision we've got our big idea we've got our dream but what is it we're aiming to do so we're using events as platforms for positive change. We're producing unforgettable events for our clients with as little impact on the environment as possible. And again, it's about the branding. It's about bringing that in all the way through. We're completely consistent with everything we do, with our font, with our brand, with the look and feel. Um, sorry, you have to excuse the really bad pixelation on this because um, it, I literally was working in a co-working space in Old Street and I walked past this big wall. It had loads of post-its and stuff on where people have obviously just written down like whatever's in their mind. You know, really, really creative Old Street sort of space. And um, I was like, this is perfect. I'm actually going to talk about vision. So chase the vision, not the money. The money will end up following you. It's so true. It's so hard setting up your own business. Don't go into it thinking it's not going to be hard and it's not an emotional roller coaster. I think every day I might do this with emotions. One minute I'm like, yes, I'm winning. This is amazing. Everyone believes in us. We're going to do something. We're going to disrupt the industry. We're going to innovate and we're going to be brilliant. And then something will happen. I'll be like, oh, God, this is awful. I'm never going to succeed. I need to call ITV back and get my job. Um, but never do that. So um, just, just keep chasing your vision just be passionate about what you do and be really believing it and then the money will come that's what I keep telling myself <laughs> the money will come and if anyone you know if any of your ideas or anything to do with sustainability or anything I've spoken about please do get in touch because I'm always interested to um, bring more people into that community okay. work Wow, I'm here in an audience with a whole room full of ladies and I just tweeted my business partner and said to him, look at what you've just missed out on coming here today. So what I'd like to know from you all is, who is who's already in employment and looking to leave their job? Cool. And who is in the room that is already just starting and you've got an idea but you've not really got, got going yet? And then who's in early stage growth, been going for maybe a year, two years? And have I missed anybody out? Anybody that's been going a bit longer? Cool, cool. Congratulations. All right, look, I am a bit of a brand geek. I've been building businesses since the age of 18. I left school at the age of 15, and my mum at the time was, like, quite disappointed about that fact. And I said to her, don't worry, mum, I'm going to be as big as Oprah Winfrey. And she was like, what are you talking about? Can you imagine saying that to your mum? So that was my vision and has kind of held there for the last... <clears throat> X amount of years. And, um, and so at 18, I decided to start up a retail shop in Leeds. I'm a northerner. I don't know if there's any northerners in the room. <laughs> and, um, and look, at 18, I did not have a clue what I was doing. I decided to open a retail shop and I brought diesel and replay into the north of England. Now, one thing was at the time, Leeds United was absolutely massive. And I had one of the footballers' wives work for me. So Eric Cantona, 
Gary McAllister, Gary Speed, they were all coming into my shop and I had my first taste of what celebrity could do for your business and how your stock could literally just walk out of the shop from having these people buying your products. It was nuts. I couldn't believe it. So look, at 20, I thought, oh, if I'm going to do this whole Oprah Winfrey thing, I'm going to have to sell this shop because it's just not going to get me to my vision. So I decided at 20 to sell the shop. Now, can you imagine at 20 saying to your mum, well, I did buy a shop and now I'm selling the shop. And she's like, I've really got a cuckoo one here. Like, can't you just stick with something? So I'm like, all right, well... I've spotted a gap in the market, mum. And, um, and I kind of see that Adidas was doing sports-related trainers. And look, we think we can do fashion trainers. Now, look, 25-odd year ago, if you can believe this, there weren't really any fashion sneakers. There was Adidas doing sports trainers, and nobody was really owning up to the fact that people wanted to wear them for fashion. So here we are, um, uh, two kids, 21, and my business partner, 23, and we decided to do a fashion trainer business. Well, you just heard this lady over here say we did our branding and had to throw it in the bin. We made a whole range of shoes and then had to throw the lot in the bin because we didn't think they were good enough. And so in the bin they went, £30,000 later, which was a lot of money for us, threw them them in the bin and then basically redesigned them. We launched a big trade show and boom, we sold 40,000 pairs of shoes. I was 21. I was like, oh my God, now what are we going to do? So in six months, manufacturing business, we had to get these shoes in the shops right? You've got a six-month turnaround to get your shoes out. Now, we sold 40,000 pairs of shoes. That meant we had to manufacture them, and we had no money. (laughs) How are we going to do that? So we went on this crazy journey to get funding. Had to go and speak to angels, VCs. Didn't know what I was talking about. They could have been talking Chinese. And I was like, look, I've got this vision, and we've got an order book, and we've got 150,000 pairs of shoes, because by the time of the end of the ordering season, we had 150,000 pairs of shoes that we had to get manufactured. And then all of a sudden, I managed to find somebody to fund us, which was actually a government loan, and we got funded. And four years later, we had them in the Design Museum as design classics, and we sold the business to Caterpillar. And it was nuts. I was 24 and I was stressed and it was really stressful. And we were like, well, we spotted a gap and that worked. So then I went, what am I going to do now? So, okay, I'm a brand geek and all I know is how to build businesses, build them from a brand, not from a business perspective. So I knew all about really like getting brands off the ground. I'm going to start up an agency. And my agency is going to build businesses from a brand and not just do marketing and PR. Now, I wasn't trained in marketing and PR. I I don't know marketing and PR. I wasn't trained going to university to do that. I knew how to build businesses. And so started on the journey and 15 years on, we managed to build some of the biggest businesses on the high street today. People like, we started with Mark Newson, um, who designed the iWatch and um, went on a journey with him to launch his book and his car and his watch and his bike and all that. Worked with Topshop, building out their brand for them, work with Miss Selfridge, getting them back. And we then got Pringle of Scotland. And Pringle said to us, we've got a vision. And I was like, oh God, here we go again. (laughs) So what's your vision? Tell me what the vision is. What's the vision? So they said to us, we want to be on Bond Street. And I have to say, I laughed. 
And I went, like, you're a, you're a golfing brand. How, okay, you want to be, be on Bond Street. And how long is that going to take us? And they said, three years. And I went, but your, but your brand has got Nick Faldo. Does anyone know who Nick Faldo is in this room? Nick Faldo is a golfing guy, right? And he was, like, not the coolest of guys. And so... They said to us, look, we want you to help us build our business. So Nick Faldo was wearing it. We managed to get David Beckham to wear it. The vision, remember, was a brand on Bond Street. They were a golfing brand. They were way over there. David Beckham wore it, and boom, it exploded. And then we had got them this big tea dance and Sophie Dahl and all these people. And then influencers came in and they started wearing it. And eventually we got them to open their first shop on Bond Street. Now, 20 years on, I transferred my knowledge from going from building consumer bands, working with celebrities, all the way over here to working with entrepreneurs, to doing the thing that I wanted to do to serve my passion, which is to inspire and educate a new generation of business leaders to create a famous brand with a purpose. So what does that mean? My thing is about shifting the world into a new era through the eyes of brands. How do we do that? What if, what if we could shift education? What if there was businesses in the room today that were inspired about shifting some kind of education and we built an ecosystem and brought you all together to be able to make that shift? What if we wanted to do something in fashion and actually build purpose-based businesses rather than just commercial businesses and actually do something in the fashion world that would actually help manufacturing to come back to life for Britain? What if we built ecosystems? So that's my vision. So I say to people, those that grow the fastest, you might want to write this down, those that grow the fastest, you got your pen out, are brand-led. Brand-led. I'm going to leave you with something. Brand is very, very different from branding. Branding is what you do, your logo, what you look like, your visual tone, how you show up. Brand is the end-to-end system of the whole, and I mean the whole, of your revenue stream. That means the brand, the vision, what you're doing, the asset, what's the biggest value possible that you can put out there. I'm saying to you, I want to shift the world into a new era through the eyes of brands. The products that I'm doing it with, the school and the talks and all the TV stuff that I'm doing, that's the product. What I am going to do is shift the world into a new era. Who did I say that I was going to be at 15? As big as Oprah Winfrey. The brand. Now, the end-to-end revenue stream, the product. You sits with your product lines, everything that you do, every single thing you design, the whole of the revenue stream, from the awareness product, the books that you put out, the TV that you put out, to the community products, the e-learning, the community platform, to the scalable products, the licensing products, whatever you bring out sits with the brand. The channel, whatever channels you're then going to do, what partnerships you're going to create, sits with your brand. 
And the last one, your sales. How you're going to design your campaign, your solution selling, your sales tools, everything sits with the brand. So when I moved from the world of brand into entrepreneurs, I noticed that businesses were building their businesses from the bottom up because they were needing to get sales through the door. So everybody's trying to drive sales. And then they're going, God, how am I going to get it into a channel? Who's going to buy it from me? I need to sell something into a channel. Okay, I'm going to do that. Now I've sold that, I'm going to add in another product because that product's obviously doing well, right? So I'm going to sell more products. So I need another one. And then finally, you're trying to shove that brand in the, into the whole sales stream to be able to get your branding in there. And now it's not working because... One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The vision that you've got over there isn't sitting with your sales over here. What are you going to do? So what, we, what I leave you with is saying this. Build your business from the top down from your brand, to your product, to your channel, to your sales. Take a little bit of time to build out what you are and what you're not and what you stand for and what you want to be known for. Build it all out and then drive it through the whole of the revenue stream. The brand, the product, the channel, the sales, and not bottom up, which is about 98% of small businesses are doing at the moment. The sales, the channel, the product, and the brand. And if you would like to read more, it's written in the book. Thank you. <laughs> Work. 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 Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.